Hello, I'm Annabeth Rosenbaum, the Chief of the Treaty Section at the Secretariat of the United Nations in New York. I became the new Chief of the Treaty Section in February 2007. I first joined the United Nations in the 1980s, but in between, for two decades, I was the publisher at Martinez Nyhoff Publishers in The Hague, and I was responsible for the program of public international law, international organizations, and the law of treaties. And since February 2007, I rejoined the United Nations. In this lecture, I will explain the procedure of the registration of treaties carried out by the treaty section of the Office of Legal Affairs of the United Nations, as required under the mandate of the Charter of the United Nations. Even before the Charter entered into force, there was a similar requirement under Article 18 of the Covenant of the League of Nations. Every treaty or international engagement entered into hereafter by any member of the League shall be forthwith registered with the Secretariat and shall as soon as possible be published by it. No such treaty or international engagement shall be binding until so registered. And we shall see in a moment what the International Court of Justice had to say later about this last consequence of registering a treaty. This requirement was a direct result of the call of President Woodrow Wilson for open covenants. Following the First World War, with its many secret treaties, he wanted to avoid this secret form of diplomacy. Even if its negotiation requires secrecy, once it is in existence, it requires openness. The Charter of the United Nations included the following requirements in its Article 102. Paragraph 1 stipulates that every treaty and every international agreement entered into by any member of the United Nations after the present Charter comes into force shall as soon as possible be registered with the Secretariat and published by it. Paragraph 2 stipulates that no party to any such treaty or international agreement which has not been registered in accordance with the provisions of paragraph 1 of this article may invoke that treaty or agreement before any organ of the United Nations. The immediate implications of the first paragraph of Article 102 are that each state member of the United Nations must register all its international agreements or treaties and that the Secretariat must publish all the registered agreements. The second paragraph entails in practice that in a dispute before the International Court of Justice, the principal judicial organ of the United Nations, no party to any such treaty or international agreement which has not been registered may invoke it before the court. Now the court itself has made the following comment about registration. The court would observe that an international agreement or treaty that has not been registered with the Secretariat of the United Nations may not, according to the provisions of Article 102 of the Charter, be invoked by the parties before any organ of the United Nations. Non-registration or late registration, on the other hand, does not have any consequence for the actual validity of the agreement, which remains no less binding upon the parties. So that's the main difference between the uh, article in the League of Nations and the article in the present Charter. 
In the past, several states have insisted on the registration of particular treaties if they were to constitute the title of jurisdiction in a case before the International Court of Justice. In a recent case before the court, between Nicaragua and Honduras, a treaty mentioned by one of the parties was not registered. It also turned out that there were two different versions of the treaty available on the Internet. Registration of a treaty may avoid this situation, but not necessarily because one state may object to the contents of the treaty registered by the other party. But in any case, there would be one authoritative source which indicates precisely the official text of a treaty and other relevant details. Paragraph 1 of Article 102 indicates that the treaty must, must be registered as soon as possible but it cannot be registered before it has entered into force. In that case, it will remain pending. The United Nations itself also registers every treaty it enters into, or the multilateral treaties for which the Secretary-General acts as the depositary. These treaties are registered ex officio. It is very important to remember that registration with the Secretariat does not imply a judgment by the Secretariat with respect to the nature of the instrument, the status of a party or any similar question. The Secretariat's action or inaction does not confer or take away the status of a treaty or international agreement or the status of a party. And the agreement, as well as the party, must possess a status at international law. The parties must have treaty-making capacity on the international plane, and they must have the intention to create obligations of an international legal character. Now, what precisely is a treaty or an international agreement? The Charter itself does not give a definition of a treaty, and the regulations to give effect to Article 102 only indicate that a treaty or international agreement must be registered, whatever its form and descriptive name. The 1969 Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties defines it as follows in its Article 2, Paragraph 1. Treaty means an international agreement concluded between states in written form and governed by international law, whether embodied in a single instrument or in two or more related instruments and whatever its particular designation. There are various names for treaties or international agreements. The more common ones are treaty, convention or agreement, but a treaty can also be called an exchange of notes or an exchange of letters, a protocol, a memorandum of understanding, minutes or even a unilateral declaration. An example of a unilateral legally binding undertaking, thus by only one state, is the declaration of acceptance of the jurisdiction of the International Court of Justice as compulsory under Article 36.2 of its statute. Another example is the declaration specifying the future arrangements for the Suez Canal by Egypt, which was registered in 1957. In the declaration, Egypt reaffirmed its respect for the Constantinople Convention of 1888 and specified that it contained obligations and constituted an international instrument, which would be registered with the United Nations. 
every instrument submitted to the treaty section for the purpose of being registered will be looked at very carefully before a certificate of registration is sent to the registrate party. Characteristics for treaties which may be registered are that parties have treaty-making capacity, that it is the intention to create legal obligations under international law, and it must be binding. Political declarations, which do not have the intention to create binding obligations under international law, such as a joint communique, would therefore not be registrable. Agreements governed by a domestic law would also not be registrable. They are usually used to conduct business between two states, but they do not create obligations under international law. And it has to be clear that a treaty has entered into force. If the treaty does not refer to an entry into force, the accompanying certifying statement may, and we would then assume that the treaty entered into force upon signature by the two parties. Following Article 102 of the Charter of the United Nations, the General Assembly has adopted resolutions containing detailed regulations in the course of the years. The Secretariat of the United Nations is guided by these regulations. With respect to the treaty-making capacity, the parties in question must be sovereign states or intergovernmental organizations. Non-state entities do not have treaty-making capacity. Previously, I mentioned the various names given to treaties or agreements, among which the Memorandum of Understanding or MOU. The treaty section carefully looks at each agreement submitted for registration and with respect to MOUs, it will look specifically at the language of it. In general, one can say that an MOU is an instrument concluded between states which do not intend to be governed by international law or any other law and consequently is not legally binding. The MOU is often used for collaborative defense projects and could be considered politically binding, but this depends on the language used and MOUs are submitted for registration. More specifically, the United Nations concludes many MOUs with uh, member states of the United Nations. In that case, the treaty section analyzes the language of the MOU and looks for terms such as shall, agree, obligations, and entry into force, as well as settlement of disputes clauses, designating a compulsory international judicial process to assist in ascertaining the intention of the parties. The parties themselves could include a statement to clarify such as this memorandum of understanding is not intended to constitute or create and shall not be deemed to constitute any legally binding or enforceable obligations on the part of either party. But different states and their legal systems approach this question in different manners. To summarize the above, the treaty section will register a treaty, whatever its form and descriptive name, because it looks at the content, and the parties must have treaty-making capacity on the international plane and must have the intention to create obligations under international law. The kinds of treaties that are registered are bilateral treaties between two parties with treaty-making capacity and multilateral treaties with three or more parties, each with treaty-making capacity. 
These include agreements deposited with the Secretary-General and those deposited with other depositaries, such as with a state acting as depositary or another intergovernmental organization, such as the Organization of American States. The United Nations, including its funds and programs, registers its treaties concluded with states ex officio. In the case of a bilateral treaty, it's not only the treaty itself that needs to be registered in all its authentic languages, but the treaty section also needs to be informed of any changes, such, such as a change in parties, a modification of the terms, or a termination of the treaty. Changes in the scope of application need to be submitted as well. If a treaty is accompanied by annexes, additional protocols, charts or maps, and these are mentioned in the treaty itself, then these annexes need to be submitted as well. All authentic languages will be checked carefully to see if there are no discrepancies. If any discrepancies are found, or if the treaty section comes to the conclusion that documentation is missing, or if the date of entry into force is unclear, or has not yet occurred, the submitting party will be informed accordingly, and the treaty to be registered will remain pending until the problems are solved. And we should note here that uh, the registration is only for the party that registers, and at that moment in time, the other party, which is not registering, will not be informed. In the case of a multilateral treaty, it is usually the depositary which will submit the treaty for registration. As in the above-mentioned case of the bilateral treaty, all authentic languages need to be submitted. All annexes and the treaty must have entered into force. Usually the treaty enters into force after a certain number of states has ratified it or acceded to it. The treaty therefore needs to be accompanied by the information with respect to the ratifications and or accessions and the respective dates of these treaty actions. The treaty section also needs to be informed in the case of termination of the treaty or amendment. If one of the state's parties denunciates the treaty, the depositary will have to inform the treaty section as well. And in the case of an amendment, which could be in the form of an additional protocol, which has entered into force, this needs to be submitted as well, with the accompanying treaty actions that enable the entry into force of the amendment. Some treaties submitted to the treaty section are not subject to registration. These are filed and recorded. Samples of such treaties are those concluded between the United Nations and specialized agencies, those between the United Nations and non-member states, those between specialized agencies and non-member states, or between two or more specialized agencies, and those between specialized agencies and other international governmental organizations. The regulations that have given effect to Article 102 have led to uniform guidelines with respect to the requirements of registration. In the beginning of each year, a note verbal goes out from the Legal Council, the Under Secretary General for Legal Affairs, to the permanent representatives of the Member States of the United Nations in New York, specifying the requirements. As mentioned previously, 
the treaty or international agreement must have entered into force and it must be accompanied by a signed certifying statement which includes a confirmation that the text is a true and complete copy of the treaty and includes all reservations, declarations made by the parties thereto. The statement includes the full title of the treaty, the date and place of its conclusion, the date and method of the entry into force, and it should mention all authentic languages in which it is concluded. The treaties concluded by the Member States of the United Nations must be submitted through the permanent missions in New York. There are no written rules who should be the submitting party of a treaty to be registered. Some states will submit all bilateral treaties for registration, regardless of whether the other party has done so or intends to do so. There may be one unwritten rule which stipulates that the state in which the signing ceremony for a treaty took place submits for registration, but this is still something for which we may want to do some analysis within the treaty section. To avoid any confusion between the parties, it might be useful to include a clause stipulating which party submits the treaty for registration. States may also wish to check if a treaty has already been registered before preparing the submission. In the case of double submission, the treaty section will register the first such treaty it receives and will record the first state to submit the treaty for registration as the registering state. The second submitter will receive a written communication from the treaty section that the treaty has already been submitted or even registered. The copies of the treaty submitted for registration must be legible, and if the treaty refers to parent agreements or agreements are incorporated by reference, these must, must be registered as well, before the submitted treaty can be registered. The date of effect of registration is the date of receipt by the treaty section in the Secretariat of the complete submission. Article 102 of the Charter of the United Nations not only gives a mandatory requirement of registration, but it also requires that each registered treaty be published. To enable a smooth process of getting the treaty published, the copies of the treaty on paper should preferably be accompanied by a diskette or CD-ROM so that the text can be included in the database of the treaty section as soon as possible. The treaty section also welcomes courtesy translations into any of the six official languages of the United Nations with the preference for English and French if the authentic texts are in other languages. If all requirements for registration are met, the submitter of the treaty receives a certificate of registration. The other parties will not receive a certificate of registration, but are able to find the registration on the website. The submitter will receive a communication in writing if more information or a clarification is required. This could be the case, as mentioned previously, if authentic language versions or entry into force information is missing, or if annexes, translations or electronic versions are missing, or if the submitted information is not legible. On a monthly basis, the treaty section publishes a statement, including all treaties which are registered in that month, 
are filed and recorded. The information is given per registration number and gives for each treaty the title, the place and date of signature, the date and provision of entry into force, the authentic languages and the submitting state and date of registration. If a clause is included in the treaty referring to the International Court of Justice for the settlement of disputes or for provisions relating to the appointment of arbitrators by the President of the Court, it is mentioned as well. In addition, one can find all ratifications, accessions, subsequent agreements, etc., concerning treaties and international agreements registered with the Secretariat. Signatures to conventions are not registered and will not be found in a monthly statement. All treaties, with some exceptions, are published in English and French, as well as in the authentic languages in the United Nations Treaty Series. One can find texts in more than 142 languages in the volumes of the Treaty Series. There is a limited publication policy in place, which refers to assistance cooperation agreements of limited scope, such as those on financial, commercial, administrative or technical matters, for example project agreements and World Bank bilateral financial agreements. Agreements relating to the organization of conferences, seminars or meetings will not be published in extenso, and agreements that are to be published elsewhere by the UN Secretariat or a specialized or related agency such as the IAEA will not be published in full either. Some trade agreements are accompanied by lengthy lists of products which won't be published and the agreements of the European Community or the EU are published only in English and French. These deviations of the publication requirements can all be found in the General Assembly regulations to give effect to Article 102 of the UN Charter. For more than a decade now, the full texts of the treaties and treaty actions have been made available on the Internet through the website of the treaty section. The website offers full text search capa capabilities, capabilities as well as specific search possibilities on, for instance, the date of signature, the parties to a convention, the participants in a bilateral treaty, or the registration number. In addition, one can find other publications on the website issued by the treaty section, such as the treaty handbook and the publication on final clauses. The seminars at headquarters, the regional seminars, and the annual treaty event are also announced on the website of the treaty section. With an invitation to look at the website of the treaty section, as well as to contact the treaty section at the Secretariat in New York, should you wish to receive further information or have any questions with respect to the registration and publication of treaties as required by the Charter of the United Nations, I would like to end this lecture in the hope that you found this useful and interesting and has given you a better understanding of the procedure. Thank you.